Today we're talking about having an abundance mentality, and I hope you've listened closely to the previous messages. I hope you've been applying the three weeks' previous messages because they're fundamental and you being able to take action in this idea of this week's message of having an abundance mentality. Can I tell you the truth? Sometimes I wonder about telling you the people the truth because then they don't necessarily really want to hear the truth. They'll say, well, yeah, I want to hear the truth, but then when they hear it, then they get kind of like, oh, well, you know, I guess he... Two weeks ago, we provided you handouts for you to pick up on the way out. Now, we didn't hand them to you. We had someone standing in the back who had them. You had to reach out your hand and take one. In the one service, I forget which one it was, there were six people who took them. Now, can I just be, I want to be honest. Can I be honest? If your retirement is not incredibly secure, if you don't have tens of thousands, twenties of thousands, fifties of thousands laying around that you can just give to missions and give wherever you want, you may have been one of those people who would have benefited from stopping and picking up a piece of paper and looking over it. There's something about us. If we sit in church, it doesn't matter what we're preaching about. It it doesn't matter what we're preaching about. When the word of God is taught, when the word of God is preached, if all you are is a hearer, you're useless to the kingdom of God. You're absolutely useless to the kingdom of God. You will never accomplish anything for the kingdom of God if you're just a hearer. Hearers don't accomplish much. They nod their head and shake and all that stuff. But if you're not a doer of the word, we're all just wasting our time. Do you still want me to tell you the truth? If you're not applying whatever we're preaching on, whatever we're teaching on, I promise you this, if you will apply the word of God to your life, I promise you, I promise you, I promise you, based upon the word of God itself, you will move into an abundant life when you apply the word. When you simply sit and listen, you're a waste. I mean, I'm just being honest. You asked me to be truthful. When you simply sit and listen and do nothing with it, you've wasted God's time. You've wasted your time. But if you will take the principles of God's words that's being taught and you'll be eager to devour them, if you'll sit at the end of your pew and lean forward and take notes, my dad always says, the youngest child or the slowest person can teach you something new. The youngest child or the slowest person can teach you something new. And so, but whenever God's word is brought forth, I want to encourage it. Lean forward in your pew, break out your notes, take it home, say to your wife, hon, what can we do with what God gave us today? Because this is life for us, okay? So if you're just a hearer, if you're just a hearer of the word and you're not a doer of the word, you've really accomplished very little. An abundance mentality. An abundance mentality allows me to be generous, Why do I want to have an abundance mentality? Because an abundance mentality allows me to be generous. It's the opposite of selfishness. Selfishness says this. It says, what about me? If I give, there won't be enough for me. If I share, there won't be enough for me. 
An abundance mentality says, I can be a blessing. I can bless you, and I can bless you, and I can bless you, and God will continue to bless me. I can give and help here. I can serve here. I can pour out myself here, and there will be enough. The problem for many people is that they want to have abundance, but they forget where the abundance comes from. In Psalms chapter 24, verse 1, it says, The earth is the Lord's and everything in it, the world and all who live in it. So the first point that we have here is this, is that everything belongs to God. The Bible says that even you, people, you'll hear people say, it's my body, it's my money, it's my marriage, it's my family, it's my home. No, the Bible says that even you are not your own. If you're born again, now, if you're not born again, then it, it all belongs to you. So you got to take care of it. You got to maintain it. But if you've been born again, you've been bought with the precious blood of Jesus Christ. Perhaps that's where the problem for many people lies. They think that they are the owner. You can't tell me what to do. No, according to the scripture, you and I, even our very lives belong to the Lord. So everything I have belongs to the Lord. The second thing we're going to look at is Genesis chapter 1, verse 27. We go back to creation. We go back to where it all starts. And it says, so God created mankind in his own image. And in the image of God, he created them. Male and female, he created them. God blessed them and said to them, be fruitful and increase in number. Fill the earth and subdue it. Rule over the fish of the sea and the birds in the sky, and over the every living creature that moves on the ground. Then God said, I give you every seed-bearing plant on the face of the whole earth, and every tree that has fruit with seed in it, all the beasts of the earth, and all the birds of the sky, and all the creatures that were along the ground, everything that has the breath of life in it, I give every green plant for food, and it was so. The first portion of that scripture tells us that this, It says that you and I were created in God's image. God created you and me in his image. Because he created us in his image, we are to be like him. So the question is, what is God like? What is God like? If I'm created in the image of God, then I need to look at who God is, what the scripture says about him. And what the scripture says about him, it's really saying about me. Because I'm created in his image. You're created in his image. And so one of the most simplest verses that our kids learn from the time they go to nursery or Sunday school is that for God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son, that whoever believes in him should not perish but have eternal life. One of God's qualities, one of the biggest things about God is that he's generous. God is a giver. Did you know that? So God's a giver because of that. It's in your DNA to be a giver. Are you mad? Nobody's shaking. You're not mad. Okay. Let's say this again. God is a giver. He's a giver. It's in your DNA to be a giver. Look to the next to the person next to you and say, you're generous. Look to the person next to you and say, you're a giver. Here's the truth. You were created in God's image. God is a giver. God is generous. So in your DNA, 
the way you were designed, you were created to give. It's part of who you are. It's natural to you. You may say, well, no, pastor, it's not. No, if you're born again, you were designed, you were created in the image of God. You were designed to be a giver. The more you give, when you give, you become energized. When you give, you become passionate about something. When you give, you feel more alive. You see, when you give, you are becoming more like him. When you do the things that you were created to do, you become more like the one who created you. When you don't give, it messes things up. It's kind of like this idea of forgiveness. Is God a bitter and angry God? Or is he a loving and forgiving God? He's a forgiver, okay? His grace abounds. He's a forgiver. He's not someone who wants to hold a grudge. He's someone who freely forgives. He pays the price so that he can forgive you. You understand that? He pays the price so that he can forgive you. What an incredible thought. So God's a forgiver. Now let's look, just go with me for a minute. Can you imagine if God didn't forgive? We would all be in trouble. Imagine if God said no more forgiveness. Our sins would begin to back up like sewage in the streets. When we refuse to forgive, things begin to back up in our lives. Our lives begin to fall into turmoil. We begin to stink. Our lives begin to stink. When we refuse to forgive... You just kind of get depressed. You get fearful. Anger begins to fester. It's a horrible place to be in. Why? Because we refuse to follow the biblical principle and be like Jesus. You see, Jesus is the forgiver. When you forgive, I want you to think about this. Someone's hurt you. Someone's offended you. Someone's done something to you. And you determine in your heart, I'm going to forgive. And you go and you make that right in some way. And you go and and settle those issues. Did you ever notice that once you've done that and you walk out of that room, you feel at peace? There's a weight lifted off of you. There's a joy that returns to your heart. There's like a contentment. You can feel the spirit of God moving. All of those principles, when you violate God's principles, it brings death. It's just what it does. So God's a forgiver. When you forgive, it brings peace. When you forgive, it brings joy. When you forgive, it brings life. It brings happiness back into your heart. You're starting to feel good. You're starting to dance and rejoice and be satisfied. When you don't forgive, it just weighs you down. So every one of these principles of who God is, when you follow that principle, because you were created in his image to be a forgiver. You were created in his image to tell the truth. You were created in God's image to be faithful because God's a faithful God. So whenever you do those things, it brings life to you. When you refuse to do them or fail to do them, it brings death. Here's the thing. To be Christ-like, I want you to hear this. To be Christ-like, you have to. It's not optional. To be Christ-like, you have to be a giver. What do you mean, pastor? For God so loved the world that he gave. 
So if you're not giving, if you're not giving out of yourself, if you're not forgiving, then you're not being Christ-like. You can't be Christ-like and hold on to bitterness. God's holy and he's set apart. You can't be Christ-like if you're not going to be holy. You can't be like God if you're not going to do the things that he does. So if God's a giver and if we're to be givers, if it's in my DNA to be a giver, well, where do I start? Well, I, know, I don't know if you noticed the extraordinary give. Did you read the Lancaster newspaper? Over six point some million dollars were given this past, was it Friday? In Lancaster County, six point some million dollars were given. The cool thing is, is once you've been faithful to God, you can give wherever you want. But it was, it was really neat to see all of the places where people have given it. And you can give, you know, you can give to the Golden Retriever Fund. There's some cats that need adopted. I, you know, cats are wonderful creation. Those are good things. Those are good things. I don't know if, if those are God's priority. God cares. He knows when a sparrow falls. But God is much more concerned. God has, here's the thing. God has the ability to care for the beasts of the field and the birds of the air and for you. There doesn't have to be a lack in that. God can care for each, but where do we start our giving? What does the Bible say? What's the Bible say? Not what's pastor's opinion, but what does the word of God say about where I start my giving? In Malachi chapter 3, verse 10, it says this, Bring the whole tithe into the storehouse that there may be food in my house. God says, I want there to be food in my house. I want my work to be carried on. I want it to go forward. Test me in this, says the Lord, and see if I won't throw open the floodgates of heaven and pour out so much blessing that there will not be enough room to store it. Does that sound like an abundance? He says, just test me. He says, I'll prevent pests from devouring your crops and the vines in your field will not drop their fruit before it's ripe, says the Lord Almighty. Then all the nations will call you blessed. For yours will be a delightful land, says the Lord. How many of you like to go out to eat? The rest of you like to cook at home? Lori and I seem to like to go out to eat. We seem to do a fair amount of that. Name some restaurants that you'd go to. Red Lobster. Ooh, for the seafood lover in you. Okay. (laughs) Carabas. There you go. That's a nice one. Yeah. Chick-fil-A. There you go. That's a Jesus place. Jesus would go to Chick-fil-A. It closed on Sunday. Christian music playing. Yeah. Texas Roadhouse. Oh, that's good. Where else you guys like? Oh, in Lancaster. Little Chinese. Little Chinese buffet. There you go. Where else do you guys like? Olive Garden? You like olive? There you go. All the soup and salad you can eat. The gold, Rodney's breaking out the Golden Corral. He's from down south, you can tell. We didn't have too many of those around here. They're bringing them into, they brought one of those into town, didn't they? Just for Rodney. Rodney moved in, they said, hey, we got to, we were losing business. We got to get the corral up there. When you go to, uh, what were some of the, night, Roadhouse. When you go to Roadhouse, when you go to Carabas, when you go to, what's it typically cost there? For the average person, if you take your wife out to one of these nicer places, 50 bucks, you're saying 70. Now, if you go to Carabas, typically you would have, how, what, what, what do you think a, 
a steak and a drink, uh, just like sodas. Yeah, 59 to 65. Before you leave, though, you got to do something else, right? What do we usually do that? 20%. We got Jenner, 20%. Wow. What about like 5%? What would that be? That's still a tip, right? 5%. Wait, you said, you said if I go 20% would be a pretty average? So if, if you've spent 50 bucks, 60 bucks, you'd say 10, 12 bucks a tip. Is the food really, food's pretty good at Carabas, right? It's good. It's pretty good at Texas Roadhouse. It's pretty good at uh, Olive Garden. And you'll go in there and you'll drop, you'll drop 20% tip. I don't think I have to say anything else. 5%? That's not a tithe. That's an insult for a tip. You guys just said, you said, 5%, 8%. That's an insult for a tip. But we get mad because God says 10% belongs to me. That's what God says. You guys were the one who said you're 20 percenters. If we're generous, let's be, gen- let's be generous all around. But let's make sure that we're generous with God, with God's work, with things that matter to him. I don't even need to preach that. You guys got that yourself. Leviticus 2730 on the 10th, one-tenth of the produce of the land, whether grain from the field or fruit from the trees, belongs to the Lord and must be set apart to him as holy. People will say, here we go. The church wants or the church needs your money. No, this is what the church wants. The church, this is what the church needs. The church needs people to repent from their sins, to find eternal life, to receive God's gracious gift of forgiveness, then to fall in love with Jesus and to grow more and more like him. They need you to serve him by using your gifts and your talents for him to become his devoted follower and to become plugged in and an integral part of his body, the church. When people do that, the natural outcome will be that they will give to God. Now, why is tithing and giving such an important part of the Christian walk? Well, Deuteronomy chapter 14, verse 23 tells us this. The Living Bible, it says, the purpose of tithing is to teach you always to put God first in your life. When God is not first and something else is first in your life, what is that called? Idolatry, okay? And so when something else becomes first in my life, I have an idol. Here's the principle. When you tithe and when you give, well, let's start with tithing. That's the starting point. When you tithe, it's harder to be selfish. When you become less selfish, it impacts other areas of your life that are more important than your finances. You become a better wife. You become a better husband. You become a better dad. You become a kinder friend. You become a better neighbor and coworker. You become less like your old self and more like the one who created you. See, God is using this principle, this discipline that fights against our flesh because our flesh says, I want to hold on to everything I get. There's not going to be enough if I give away. But God says that you can give and still have an abundance. He can supply your every single need. 
and it allows us to become more like him. Now, once you've tithed to your local church, then you have the opportunity to give. Because God says, bring it to the storehouse. This is what the scripture says. When we give, it says, give and it'll be given to you. A good measure pressed down, shaken together and running over will be poured into your lap. For with the measure you use, it will be measured to you. What if we begin to break some barriers? Maybe there's people who, you, you know, you're new to walking with the Lord and you've never, you know, $100 is, would be, you've never given $100. The singles and the fives go to church with you. But the fifties and the hundreds, they never do. You take them to the mall, you take them out to dinner, you take them shopping, but they never see church. The ones in the fives, they always get to go to church. But the fifties and the hundreds, you take them to dinner, you take them to the mall. How about giving a thousand or or ten thousand? Some people say, Oh no, Pastor, you're just getting crazy. Really? Well, the scripture says that the measure that you use, it'll be measured unto you. You know, just real quick, you know Jonathan Shuttlesworth, whenever he comes. I have never seen a guy who can receive an offering without really doing much to take up an offering like that guy does. Everywhere he goes, he's moved into a place in his life where when he goes and speaks somewhere, here in our church, the two weekends, the two Monday through Wednesday that he was here last year, the guy took in over $25,000. You're like, what? Well, this is what he says. When he comes to the church, he says, we say, you know, we'll set up a hotel. No, you don't need to take care of a hotel. We pay for that ourselves. You're like, what? No, no. Uh, Well, you know, hey, we'll set up meals for you, take you out these days. No, pastor, you know, you have stuff to do. You go ahead. We'll pay for our own meals. I'm like, well, well, no, no, we want to reimburse you. No, don't worry about it. God takes care of me. When we had the offerings, there would be days during those renewal services where Sunday morning, Sunday morning is your big day. Jonathan, we didn't take up an offering on Sunday mornings when he was here. It's like Sunday night. Remember the first or second? The, the, the second week he was here, there were a couple weeks, a couple days of that week. We did an afternoon service. He never took up an offering. We did a Monday evening. It was like, I think we, took, we didn't take up an offering on Sunday morning or Sunday night. Monday, I think we took up an offering. Or maybe Monday we didn't. Monday we did, and, and, and I said to him, I said, Jonathan, we've been missing offerings. He said to me, Pastor, don't worry about it. God will take care of me. And whenever he, whenever he was done, the, you know, he didn't take up an offering that evening. I said, I said you know, because I, I like to make sure that we pay people. I, I want to treat people fair because, you know, they're, they're doing this full time. He's paying for his own hotel rooms, his own transportation, all of that. And he comes. And so when he comes... I said, well, he, and then he came to me back the, that next night. And he said, I'm serious. Don't worry about it. He said, don't matter. It'll be all right. God will take care of me. But, you know, Jonathan, Jonathan gives. He doesn't give like in hundreds. Jonathan gives in thousands. When he goes someplace, he, I, I, I'm not trying to tell his stuff, but he doesn't write out $100 checks. He writes out $1,000 checks to bless ministries, to bless ministers, to bless people. But he's moved into a place in his ministry, where he, he gives, and God, because this is what the Word says. The Word says, with the measure that you give, 
it'll be given back to you. So a lot of us are giving with $5 shovels. We're scooping with the $5 scoop. And God says, I want to give back to you. What scoop are you using? Well, here, God, here's the scoop I'm using. Here, God, here's the scoop I'm using. I'm using a $5 scoop. And so God starts, he says, okay, I'll give back to you. He starts scooping back to us, but it's with the $5 scoop. So we move on to another place. Now we've moved on, we're at $100 scoop. And we're giving with the $100 scoop, the $100 size one. We're saying, God, here, I want to give to you. I want to give to George. I want to bless George. I want to bless my neighbor. I want to bless a family member. And here's my $100 scoop. And God's saying, okay, I want to bless you back. I'm looking to give back to you. Let me give back to you. Here, move out of the way. Here, I give you my offering, Lord. I give my gift to you. I help this person over here. God says, well, move out of the way. I want to give back to you. Here, what are you giving me? Oh, you're giving me the $100 scoop again. Wow. You're giving me the $100 scoop. Okay, I'll keep giving to you. But see, if what God wants us to move into, he wants us to move into a place with our generosity See, as long as I have this lack mentality, as long as I have this mentality that says, well, if I bless someone else, there won't be enough for me. It's, it's really selfishness. If I help someone else, well, how am I going to pay my bills? How am I going to have enough? You know, the, the prophet with the widow at Zarephath, he showed her that you can make a cake. You can have more than enough that God supplied even in the midst of that famine. And so with this abundance mentality, see, an abundance mentality goes further. It, it says, if you get recognition, see, a lot of people get jealous because someone else gets recognition or promotion. They think, well, they get all mad and offended because someone else was appreciated or someone else was acknowledged. And they think that there's not enough, there's not enough appreciation to go around. And so we're selfish, we're mad because someone else got a promotion and we're frustrated. Man, I don't get any promotion. I don't get any recognition. I don't get any pats on the back. Someone else, call someone else on the job and, and they call them out and say, what a good job they're doing. Nobody calls me out. What, you know what that is? That's a poverty mentality. That's a mentality of lack. What if we said this? Because this is, I think, where God's at. What if we said, wait a minute, that God has enough that he can meet your need and your need and your need, and that there'll be enough for me. And in fact, there can be an abundance for me. What if we start giving in every area of our lives, every area of our lives? But what if we start being more generous? If we start handing God, okay, God, I've been giving you the $5 scoop, and that's what you've been giving back to me. God, I'm going to start giving the $100 scoop. God wants us to believe him. I believe when we sow sparingly, we reap sparingly. I believe when we sow bountifully, how is God going to do it? I don't know how he's going to do it. But I, I believe beyond a shadow of a doubt that he's going to. The word says when we sow sparingly, we're going to reap sparingly. When we sow bountifully, we're going to reap bountifully. When we give, we're becoming more like him. God's a God of abundance. God's not a $5 God. If you want him to be a $5 God, God is not limited. A reason for doing this is not to get somebody to pat us on the back or to get our name on the side of a building or something like that. A reason for doing this is because when we give, we become like him. And when we give, our heart goes with it. You can't give 
without your heart going with it to some degree. Because the word says this, where your treasure is, where your treasure is. It doesn't say where your heart is, your treasure will follow. It says where your treasure is, there will your heart be also. I've oftentimes said to you, how many of you care about GM stock? Everyone's like, I don't care. I don't give a rip. GM stock. That's too bad, huh? Yeah, if you had your entire retirement invested in GM stock, I bet you'd have a care about it. If you sold your house and invested it in GM stock, I bet you would care. Just real quick, kind of a summary. First one, giving is a reminder of lordship. I'm not my own. I've been bought with a price. I'm not the owner. I'm his servant who he has entrusted with great things. And I'm going to do my best for him. Who does he commend? Does he commend the guy who hides it, his talents? No. He commends the ones who take what they have and make more. The second thing, giving is an act of worship. 2 Corinthians chapter 9, verse 6. I already said it. Remember, who sows sparingly will also reap sparingly. Whoever sows generously will also reap generously. Each man should give what he has decided in his heart to give, not reluctantly or under compulsion, for God loves a cheerful giver. Friend, it's a blessing to be able to give. Do it with joy. The Bible says that the Lord loves a hilarious giver. When you give, you are becoming more like God because God is a giver. It's in your DNA to give. I want to encourage you to teach your kids to give. The third thing very quickly is giving is spiritual warfare. Notice what the scripture says in Malachi chapter 3. And I'll rebuke the devourer for your sakes. And he shall not destroy the fruits of your ground, neither shall your vine cast her fruit before the time in the field, saith the Lord of hosts. Satan doesn't want you to become more Christ-like. He doesn't want you to be blessed or to be a blessing. As I said, when you give, you're becoming more Christ-like. You're breaking the hold this world has on you. If you struggle with giving, here's a quick thing. Some of you say, Pastor, I know I should, I know I should tithe. I've never been able to discipline myself to tithe. Let me tell you how to do that. Go online, go to lighthouseag.com. Go in there and there's a giving thing. Click on it and put down recurring gift. You can go to the page that you give. Whatever your tithe is, I prefer to bring my tithe. I like to bring mine. I'm not saying you can't give it online. I'm saying if don't have the discipline, discipline's a hard thing. You can discipline yourself by making a decision once. It's like saving for retirement. If you get all of your money and you take your paycheck, do you notice the government does not allow you to decide to withhold your own taxes unless you're self-employed? Do you know why they do that? Because they know you would spend it. They take out your Social Security. They take out your federal income tax. They withhold your state income tax, your local income tax. They withhold that $52 fee that they charge you to work in Lancaster County. They withhold all of those things because they know that once people see the money, once you've had that money in your hand, it's harder to discipline yourself with that. And they do withholding for your insurance. They don't say, hey, at the end of the year, why don't you just give us $8,000 for your health coverage? They withhold. Now, here's the principle. If you want to save for retirement, you're best to do it before taxes. 
do a withholding for your retirement. And say that amount that you want to take out. I want to save 8%. I want to save 9%, 10%, 5%, 3%. You set that up and you make that decision once, then you don't deal with that again. The same principle is true of our tithing. If I say every day, am I going to tithe or not tithe? Chances are for some people, they're not going to be able to discipline themselves to do that. So go online, put on recurring giving, punch it in however much your tithe is. If your tithe is $50, put in there $50 every Friday goes to my tithe and it'll automatically take that out of your account. You don't have to battle to make that decision again. But God says, I'll rebuke the devourer. The one who's trying to steal from you, I'll rebuke him. This is the final one. Giving is laying up treasures in heaven. It says this, commend those who are rich in this present world. If you're in America, you are probably one of the top 15% or 10% of wealth in the world, if you live in America, at least the top 20% compared to the rest of the world. You're one of the rich. He's talking to us, okay? He says, commend those who are rich in this world, not to be arrogant, nor to put their hope in wealth, which is so uncertain, but to put their hope in God, who richly provides us with everything for our enjoyment. Commend them to do good, to be rich in good deeds, and to be generous and willing to share. In this way, they will lay up treasures for themselves as a firm foundation for the coming age, so that they may take hold of the life that is truly life. It's nice to be able to leave an inheritance to your children and your grandchildren. In fact, the Bible says a wise man does so. But I want my family and I to lay up treasures. Rust doesn't destroy where thieves can't break in and steal. The reality of it is, is that when I give, I'm laying up for myself treasures in heaven. Now, I think we can do both. I think God has an abundance. I think that we can have wealth that we can pass on to our children, that we can give to ministry, that we can save and be good stewards of what God gives us. But if you're going to be rich anywhere, if you have to make a choice, if you've got to choose between the two, I'd tell you to pass it all on up there. Invest in those things that will last eternally. Store up for yourselves treasures in heaven. You will never regret. No one can take it. No one can steal it. No stock market will affect it. What you sow into the kingdom of God, what you store up for yourselves eternally will never be taken from you, will never be lost, and you'll never, ever regret it. You won't leave any of it behind. What you send ahead will never be lost to you. So, Father, I pray your blessing upon our time together. I ask you, Father, in Jesus' name, that you would open up our eyes and give us an abundance mentality today, Lord, in the name of Jesus. Father, I pray that we would understand that you're a God of more than enough. You're not just a God of just making it by. So, God, have your way today, I pray, and we'll thank you for that in Jesus' name. Everybody said amen. Amen.